0: Good morning. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. Epiphany is a Greek word that means manifestation or appearance and was often associated with the description of a king's visitation to a village or a particular region. In the liturgy over time, a distinction was made between the celebration of the birth of Christ on December 25th and the Epiphany on January 6th, the occasion on which Jesus coming was made known to the world, sort of a birth announcement, if you will. The feast of the Epiphany began in the Eastern Church in roughly the second century, which coincided with the Jewish Feast of Lights, which is why Epiphany is also associated with the theme of life on this, the 12th day of Christmas. The Epiphany is only reported in St. Matthew's Gospel And it's rich in meaning and curious in its details. I mean, who are these magi from the east? And what about this star that guides them first to Jerusalem and then on to Bethlehem? In order to grasp the importance of that star, we need to understand the the two things about the ancient world. The first is the importance of stars as tools for navigation ancient peoples particularly in middle eastern deserts and the seas didn't have directional signs or compasses or gps which means i would be in big trouble right they were dependent on the stars as directional references they also believed that it was the god of the universe who designed and gave the stars to them for this purpose a very supernatural understanding of life furthermore whenever anything new happened in the sky like a comet or a meteor shower or an eclipse the ancients thought it was a message from god who created the heavens and the earth so they studied the heavens as a way to discern the will of god in their lives the second thing about the ancient world what we have to be aware of is that there were prophecies outside Israel that were taken seriously, mainly from women called sibyls. Interesting sibyls were common in Christian art. Michelangelo himself painted several mythical sibyls in the walls of the Sistine Chapel, for example. And among other things, they heralded the birth of kings. One of these Sibylline prophecies predicted the birth of a universal king by a sign of the guidance probably of a star. In short, these wise men would have been looking into the heavens far more intently than we do and they would have been trying to read God's will for them by reading the stars in search of a sign that a universal king would be born. We really don't know much about these curious men from the east. Later tradition holds that each of the wise men came from a different culture or region. Melchior was Asian, Balthasar was Persian, and Caspar was Ethiopian. In addition to corresponding, of course, with the three gifts that the wise men carried, they also represented the three known races in the ancient world. So led by that star and their faith in its meaning, the wise men went on a journey toward the Holy Land. And the Gospel indicates that this journey was long. After Herod asked them the exact time of the star's appearance once they arrived, and to report back about the child to protect his reign, the scriptures indicate that after they did not return to protect the child, So Herod proceeded to kill every boy boy in Bethlehem that was under the age of two, the age of the newborn king. So the journey of the kings probably took 18 to 24 months. That's quite a pilgrimage. But again, they came with the conviction that God, who had created the heavens and the earth, was speaking to them, was communicating to them putting the pieces of the puzzle in order and together, it was reasonable that this band of astrologers would stop first in Jerusalem. After all, the distance between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, if you've been there, is only about six miles. And Bethlehem was really not much of a place to stop, a one roundabout town as we would stay in Carmel. Okay, I worked on that all morning, okay it's logical that one would stop into a region's capital and look for a newborn king that would be a descendant of the king Herod. The wise men from the east received an audience and doubtlessly, doubtless told Herod of the whole sordid affair and that they had come to adore the child to be born, this king to whom God, the God in the heavens was testifying by means of that star. Herod called all of his experts and asked where this king was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, of course. Drawing on the evidence of the Old Testament prophet Micah, they told Herod the king that it would be Bethlehem. Then something happened that we really shouldn't miss. We should really take note of in this story. That is, instead of an added number of curious and excited men in search of the newborn king, Only the wise men set out again to continue to search for the child. To me, that's just weird. None of Herod's experts who knew the scriptures inside and out were curious enough to make the six-mile journey. Instead, it is only those men who had already journeyed a thousand miles who leave with zeal and excitement to find the Lord. Yes, those experts really bother me. Where is the fire in their bellies to discover the truth of God? Where the story might be true? Could it be that this child was the long-awaited Messiah and Lord? Of course, we've all heard the story of the encounter that the wise men had with a newborn king many times. In my family, our kings traversed the family room through the Christmas season at their own risk from being punted across the room by a vacuum cleaner in our lime green shag carpeting in the 1970s, which actually did happen, leaving them a few scars and lesions on their faces and gifts. But they arrived and presented their gifts on the Feast of the Epiphany to a family chorus of We Three Kings. Those gifts tell us of the nature of the the child's kingly service. They presented gold, A gift for kings and frankincense. An ancient air purifier and perfume that was offered to God in the temple. And finally, myrrh was offered. I looked up myrrh. And found it had two very odd ancient purposes first it was used as quote an oriental remedy for intestinal worms in infants ew right that's disgusting and the more likely use in this case was to prepare bodies for burial reminding us that the lord jesus christ was born to die was born to die as a sacrifice for our sins So this whole story inspires me in many ways. First, in the guidance of a star, that star reminds me that I don't have to have all the answers in life. That if I'm in need of divine guidance, which I am, that we as a people of faith have the star of the scriptures and the star of the tradition of our beloved church. It is here for the curious and reminds us that the God of the universe continually is reaching out to us, longing for a personal relationship with each of us. Then I ponder if my religious curiosity is what it should be. Am I like the wise men who go in search for the supernatural, go in search for Jesus with great zeal? Or am I like one of Herod's experts who know a lot about things, they know about a lot about the Messiah, but never take the time to go in search of him, to know him by coming to Jesus, for example, in prayer regularly every Sunday at the sacred liturgy, or encountering him in our adoration chapel, or in personal prayer? Do I offer him the gift of myself? Or do I hold selfishly to all of my gifts for my own purposes in life? There is a 19th century English carol which begins in the bleak midwinter. And in the last it line, it ponders, What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I could do my part. What can I give him? I will give him my heart." The wise men return home, as the scriptures tell us, via a different route to avoid Herod and to protect the child. And I think Matthew is encouraging us to return back to our post-Christmas lives via a different route as well. That is, spiritually changed by the events of Advent and Christmas. It is my prayer that our observances have changed us spiritually, leaving us closer to the newborn king, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.